Welcome in and welcome back to another episode of the Mama Bear Cave. I'm your host, Patricia Vanga, and on this episode, we'll be diving into more details of what the younger version of me saw through her eyes. So shoot, let's jump right in. To be honest, I remember it like it was yesterday. I'd wake up feeling refreshed and ready to go outside and make some dirt pies in my dog's water bowl and pretend I had my own bakery business. They were the best dirt pies in the city. You just had to be there. Then I'd run to my parents' room to see if they're up. Most of the time they weren't, and believe it or not, I used to get up super early before everyone in the house. Then I'd pet my dogs and check on my sisters and see if she's up yet. Then after 30 minutes or so, I'd hear a shower come on from my parents' room and know either one or both of my parents are up now. If one of them was still in bed, I'd hop right in and snuggle up with them or annoy them until they wake up. Then would watch whatever's on BET at the moment. This is right before the whole house becomes alive and I'd live for these moments. After that, my parents would whip up some food in the kitchen. You'd have pancakes, sausage links, eggs, and toast with butter. I can just smell all the different aromas. Now this is what happens on a good morning. What happens next is what will set the mood for the rest of the day. Will my parents get into an argument? Will my parents not argue? So I developed this weird feeling that something's about to happen. It would feel like those movies where the sky slowly becomes dark and the wind starts to pick up. Then you look at the ground and it starts rumbling. Then something tells you to look back and there you see it, the storm. Now the aftermath of a storm is normally tragic. You have broken glass, torn fences, destroyed homes, all kinds of debris everywhere. You're able to see the obvious damage it has caused. However, the storm in my household, not so much. It wasn't seen if you didn't know what to look for. We were the family who showed up to family functions with smiles on our faces and a tank full of laughter to be unleashed at crappy jokes and silly pranks family members would pull on each other. Even though my parents just had an intense argument in the car, we'd walk in as if nothing ever happened. We had the perfect mask for each occasion. Until one day, my mask eventually started to crack. And when it did shatter, I was then labeled as an ungrateful and disrespectful child. The more labels put on me, the angrier I became. I had family members label me as many things and my all-time favorite has been bipolar. I've only been diagnosed with anxiety and depression, never bipolar disorder. And let me clarify something. I've noticed when my family members try to diagnose me with something, it's not because they're trying to figure out what's wrong so they can help, but to pick a label to blame when I react negatively to their crappy behaviors, rather them having to reflect on what they did or what they said. They're not slick. I try not to let it bother me since I'm actually getting help instead of just treating it as that's just how I am compared to most people in my family. Those family members need to get their house in order before they try even peeking through my window. It's interesting how they label me as if they have me all figured out, but has never once asked me what was wrong. They take whatever story is given to them and believe it as truth. 
The crappy thing about it is that these are the same family members who will tell me how much they love me and that they are there for me if I ever need them, but will speak these bad things about me behind my back. And people wonder why I struggle with trust issues. If anything, all I needed was someone to ask me, are you okay? I was told what happens in this house stays in this house. And me being the obedient child I was, I kept quiet. I kept quiet with my mouth, but was loud through my actions. I'd fall asleep in class, even though I always loved to learn. I'd have stomach aches and headaches all the time, even though I was active and ate the best that I could. I, I expressed suicidal ideations. I even actually attempted three times. Honestly, I remember my dad catching me with cuts on my wrist. And you wanna know how that was handled? My mom told me I was stupid. I was offered no comfort and given no support. I was forced into putting my mask back on because what would the family think if they found out? We don't wanna look like we're broken. I have memories of my mother scratching my dad's face mid-argument and we went to a family party with it freshly done. I remember the looks my family gave him and her. Wide eyes, rolled eyes, even smirks. The looks burned in the back of my mind because that was expressed with no issue, but yet not one person said anything. All of them stayed silent. Their silence spoke volumes. As a kid, that hurt because how could they not worry about its effects on my sister and I? As a teen, I learned that the forms of abuse that existed within my parents' relationship existed within the family as a whole. So it stopped surprising me. As an adult, it drives me to stop the pattern and provide a stable and safe home for my daughter and her future siblings. This means acknowledging my own trauma, processing it, going to therapy, and even taking medication if needed. I refuse to do what hurt me as a child to my kids. It ends with me. The first step was me actually acknowledging the environment I was in. I lived on a battlefield. It originally took place in a nice gray brick house in Cedar Hill. Occasionally, I still pass it due to the nature of my job. I travel a lot. And one of my foster families actually lived near it. When I would pass it, I'd still feel some anxiety arise and eventually I started to take other routes to avoid it. As a kid, the house in Cedar Hill looked so big to me. It was filled with furniture and decor of all kinds. My mom is probably the best decorator I know. You'd walk in on a tiled area and on your left was a small room where there was a mirror above black shelves filled with family pictures that my mom loved. In front of you was my dad's trophies he won from bike shows. I remember it having the Lowrider logo on it. He had at least 15 big trophies. My dad said, I actually made it on the front cover of one of the magazines with his bike that won. I was little, of course, and 
Honestly, I haven't seen it, but I believe him. I just know how proud my dad looks every time he tells me that. You would make a slight right and be in the living room where my dad had his humongous TV with a gorgeous entertainment center around it. He also had three or four CD storage shelves that I would always get into. That's basically where my love for hip hop started. To your left was a breakfast counter and the kitchen, which had a beautiful island in the middle and in the kitchen was the dining area. My mom would cook and bake some of the best food I've ever had. Past the living room was three bedrooms. You had mine, my sisters, and my parents. In that circular hallway, there was a restroom that my sister and I shared. My parents had their own private restroom with this big tub that felt like a pool to me when I was young. I remember that exact layout because as a 26 year old, I still have nightmares from that house. I remember having my ear to the door hearing my mom tear my dad down with her words, calling him all kinds of things outside of his name. I remember being in the restroom with my sister, trying to distract her as I hear my dad yell at my mom, put the knife down. I tried disguising our reality as if my sister and I were spies and I'd show her all these cool things I learned from watching Spy Kids to protect her from the chaos. But eventually she realized it all on her own and I felt that I failed. I remember running to my sister's room as I hear my mom land blows on my dad's body and the scuffle they danced as he tried to restrain her from hitting him even more. In the small room by the front door, I remember hiding behind a shelf seeing my dad walk out the house with scratches on the left side of his jaw, still bleeding. In the living room, I remember being pinned up against the entertainment center because I told my mom that I hated her and I hated living there. I remember seeing my mom lay in bed and being in the dark for hours and hours, wondering what's wrong and how can I help? I remember trying to overdose on Tylenol in my room. That house has a lot of bad memories. I tried suppressing them for so long, but the more I suppressed them, the angrier I grew and it gave them power over me. I looked at other families and saw how close they were to their parents, wishing that I had that. I wanted smiles that were genuine, laughter that was pure, Hugs that felt safe. I wanted to feel safe. I wanted to feel protected. I wanted to feel loved. I didn't want to live in survival mode. I remember I'd invite my sister in my room and shut the door putting on cartoons to drown out the hateful arguments my parents had with each other. I'd have this specific pillow that I'd snuggled with whenever I would cry. I'd pray every night that we'd make it through and try to fall asleep for the next morning. I would be anxious of falling asleep, just waiting for the night my parents' fight finally surpassed what is normal. And now 
it's time to call the cops. That night never came, but the sad part is what was normalized was already considered domestic violence. Hitting, scratching, threatening, yelling, gaslighting, threats of suicide. I mean, we were even isolated from my dad's family. I was robbed from seeing my family on my dad's side. Being able to visit them for Christmas, celebrate birthdays, knowing their favorite color, going to their sporting events, just being able to know them. It was one thing I refused from continuing when I finally turned 24 by reaching back out to them. To this day, I feel some regret of not reaching out to them sooner. The environment I grew up in thrived on manipulation, on control. Without it, my family would break because then the truth would be out in the open. The truth being that my family is broken. I tried telling the story of me living in a home with a happy family who had a white picket fence to those around me, but sometimes that story would crack. I became depressed. I became anxious. I became all the things that made my life more difficult than it should have been. I'm not sure if my family truly understood that though. I remember my inability to get out of bed, be seen as lazy, and my lack of interest in things that I loved be seen as not trying hard enough. I remember me having panic attacks where I would hyperventilate and freeze up, seen as just being dramatic and me just doing that for attention. Had my family been more aware of mental health and how it affects us, I could have gotten the help I needed way earlier. The focus has been on the wrong things in my family, and that's why nothing has changed and generational trauma is passed down like a family secret recipe. I may not have came from a healthy family, but it's my responsibility for a healthy family to come from me. And we'll put a sticky note on my story right there. Thank you so much for listening to The Mama Bear Cave once again. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at The Mama Bear Cave. The link in my bio will navigate you to all other social medias that I'm currently on. And don't forget to follow me on Spotify for the next episode, where I will talk about who my family is outside of our brokenness. And before you go, the three things to always remember, you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. Until then, stay prayed up and have a blessed one. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.